Hey everyone, Lauren Knight here, and welcome back to The Nerd Mixed. I'm sure you guys noticed that uh, our episode last week ended quite abruptly, but that's because there's a part two to 13 Halloween movies you should watch this October, and that will be coming at you guys in a few moments here. But uh, on behalf of Lohani and I, we just wanted to wish you guys a happy Halloween. We hope you have a fun, spooky, and just great evening, but we also wanted to remind you to be safe, don't drink and drive, and look out for each other. And after all the fun's over and you wake up the next morning, we would love to see what you guys were for Halloween. So go ahead and tweet us a photo at the Nerd Mix or uh, tag us in your photo uh, at the Nerd Mix on Instagram. We totally want to feature you guys. Um, just see all the crazy and creative things you wear because we love cosplayers and we 100% encourage cosplaying and uh, dressing up and just having fun. So as promised, here is part two of 13 Halloween movies you should watch this October. Okie dokie. Um, I guess it's back to me now. Uh, for, I guess the next one I'm going to go with is Scary Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I contemplated putting this down, but I kind of had this feeling deep in my gut that Lohani was going to take care of it. You know I'm there for you. You know I'm always there for you. Uh, and in return, she is there for you guys. <laughs> scary movie. <laughs> now, if you guys want to watch a scary movie that's not scary at all, and it's just hilarious and does all the tropes, scary movie's for you. Now, this movie came out 17 years ago. Yes, 2000. I'm bringing it almost like two dec decades back. And it's Dang. one of those pop culture films that encompass that time. Now, um, the main plot of this movie is a year after disposing of the body of a man they accidentally killed, a group of dumb teenagers are stalked by a bumbling serial killer. Now, if you take out dumb and you take out bumbling, that's the same synopsis of Scream. Yes, this movie <laughs> is a parody of Scream. <laughs> it's yep. It stars um, the leading actors in this. It stars a couple of, at the time, um, smaller actors, but did have the weight of um, really great cameos, like Carmen Electra and um, random people that you've seen solidly in other things, um, like Marlon Wayans and um, Re I believe Regina Hall. I don't. I'm not actually not sure if this was her b first big one for me, for that age and my time. That was her first big one for me, but I can't recall if she was bigger before that. But um, Dave Sheridan, um, Marlon Wayans, John Abrahams, Carmen Electra, and our girl Anna Ferris, which some of you may listen yes. to her podcast that she has on Spotify. Um, and the director is Keenan Ivory Wayans. Now, um, this movie is gold. This movie um, it came out of... I want to say it came out of nowhere and it was pretty daring for that time because, um, yeah, we have like parody movies and such, but to turn, to turn horror films into something funny is a complete, what, 180? And yeah. 
to take it from things that were already popular, it could have felt, I believe, flat on its face. But I think the solid thing for this movie that happened is it came from the same studio that they're parroting of. So I thought that was hilarious. That scary movie was actually the working title for Scream that um, that came out in 1996. And then the same studio was like, oh, okay, um, that made Scream. Let's just make a parody. Like they pitched their own movie back except as a, as a comedy. Yeah. And I think that's it, it, th- that's a wonderful it's, studio. It's one who of those really daring things that yeah, it's one of those really daring moves that kind of just was gold. Yeah. And no one knew it until they made it and it came out. Like honestly, you can't it's hard to know how an audience is going to accept the parody. It can be horrific and you can be a really big you know, we can use, lose a lot of your funds on it, or it can be great and just kind of, like I said, be gold. I think Scary Movie, because they were making fun of their, basically their own film, they knew mm-hmm. of everything that they needed to make fun of. Which is so interesting like, that you say that, because um, after these, you we saw those like 300 parody movies, the superhero parody movies, and they all kind of bombed to a certain extent. And I think people just, I think the reason why Scary Movie did so well as a parody, because it's such a ridiculous part of our culture. Like, that we have entertainment that, like, terrifies, and once you saw the same kind of movies happening again, it was easy to, like, it was making fun of the criticisms that probably came out from those movies. Like, why would you go down and do that? Why would you go down that hallway or go to that alley or be friends with that person? Like, it was yeah. threw it on its head. And that's why Scary Movie is one of my favorite, actually, Halloween movies to watch around that time. Because it played on a bunch of different tropes for so not just the scary movies themselves or horror movies and... um it played on the tropes of stereotypes for certain kind of characters. And it didn't poke fun at, like, Mm -hmm. classic, like, the Wolfman or Frankenstein, like, monster movies, which is, it just poked fun at real-life situations. Have you, had you been more um, safe, realistic, or thoughtful about what the next steps you were about to take? So it's just, like, public safety, (laughs) you know, like, joking, like, yeah, you shouldn't have ran in the middle of the street and then when you're running away from somebody to stop a car stop on the side of the road just in case you get hit by the car Carmen Electra yeah you know I think it's funny too because it's just like they're basically saying everything that we say when we're watching when we're watching movies yeah it's kind of like if this would have happened it would have completely ended the storyline right there and there like it's kind of like this is it, it actually shows the extreme steps that we writers go through to keep the movie going mm-hmm. you know well, it's like and it's like always like well she should have just did this well then the movie would have been over exactly it's true so it's kind of you know it's kind of like the re- they don't do that for a reason because we need to make <clears throat> a movie out of this so they kind of just basically switch their mindset you know it's another one of these flip-flop ones where it's like okay well let's think the other way and then you get a parody you know like and the funny thing too about scary movie is that they poke fun at things that were like news that was popular mm-hmm. during that year. Yeah. Um, or whatever year the scary movie was, would come out. Cause there was, there's a few of them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would poke fun at kind of just pop culture during that year and which made it more relatable and even more funny. Um, and it kind of reminds me of, okay, so have you ever been to not scary farm? No. Like, do you know not of, the scary part? They have, they have, um, every year they do the hanging, which okay. is a show that they have. And every year they hang someone who has, who has, um, kind of been a bad influence on a culture that year. So, like, for instance, this year, like, they hung, um, what's her name? That girl that's just, like, catch me outside, how about that? Like, they hung her because, like, she's just, like, a bad influence on society. Like, it's kind of like they, every year they hang someone different. And, um, and it kind of reminds me a lot. I feel like they take a lot of their parodies and their comedies from Scary Movie, that whole concept, because... Like I said, just just another foundational film for parodies at different times, a different type of genre. Yeah. Um, and and scary movie is that. So when you watch a lot of parodies, it's kind of like, oh, wait. you always end up going out into the conversation of, have you seen scary movie? Like they kind of did that in there, and they took from that, they grabbed from it bits and pieces, and yeah. Yeah, and Good it's one. it's interesting that you um just circling back. It's interesting that you mentioned that um they took that the thi- they took things that we would say as an audience and would say t- in the movie while we're watching it because there's literally mm-hmm. a scene with Regina Hall who does that where yeah. she, they she, they actually parodied us p- commenting on the movie like <laughs> they're pairing the level that they committed to was even going as far as what we would do as audience members like the both right. sides of what a scary movie would be and i love that mm-hmm. scene it's my favorite because she's eating the popcorn she's like Mm-mm, don't go in there oh hell no and it's just like <laughs> and she doesn't even get killed by the killer like if you haven't seen yeah. it by now, this is going to be a small spoiler. She doesn't even get killed by the killer. She gets killed by the audience members because she's, like, saying so much crap. And it just kind of gives you <laughs> gives you a moment as you watch a movie when there's somebody who's, like, talking. And then you're just like, what I wish you could do. And they're parroting even your actions. Reaction. So, yeah. yeah. So that's why I picked awesome. Scary Movie. And I definitely think if you're looking for something just halloweeny but just for fun and not and you're planning to sleep that night definitely go with scary movie and anna ferris is such gold she's such she's such a treasure to society like i just love how fun she is as a person so yeah that's she's she's great that's That's a good one i'm glad (laughs) i'm glad you chose it um i'm trying to think i i think i'm gonna do next I'm gonna do Edward Scissorhands Ooh. because this is the, this is kind of like the last of like my more free heart my more um, like lighthearted Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Edward Scissorhands. It, it's a it's a Tim Burton classic. This was actually the first film that Tim Burton and Johnny Depp um, collaborated on together. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's the first film that they had worked on together. Um, it was in 1990, starring Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, Diane West, Anthony Michael Hall, and of course the infamous Vincent Price. Um, so, this movie basically is about a gentleman with scissors for hands is brought into a new community after living in isolation for a long time. Uh, so, if you haven't seen this movie, 
Just stop what you're doing and go watch it. Go buy it. It's in the $5 bin at Walmart. No, <laughs> what are you doing? Stay with us. Finish the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After watching this, then go do it. <laughs> so Edward Scissorhands is one of those movies that I watch because it, it is the, the I, like I said again, the idea of the character alone is terrifying. It's kind of like a, a um, well, it's not Jason, but... um. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. The scary guy with the hands, the knife hands. The oh, Edward. Wait, sorry. Um, Freddy versus Freddy. Thank you, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I yeah. think I mentioned his name earlier too, Freddy Krueger. So it's kind of like a more lighthearted version of Freddy Krueger. Um, obviously, Freddy Krueger came after Edward Scissorhands. Um, I think he did actually. When did what year did it Freddy Krueger come out? That's a good thing to find out because. It's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. I'm going to find out, guy. I'm going to find out. What do you think? What came first? Um, Edward. I think Freddy. Yeah, Freddy came first because... Boom. Freddy... The Nightmare on Elm Street came out... Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came out in 1985. So, Freddy... Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street... Must have came out in 1984. Okay. Oh, they came so, out like right a year right after each other. Usually, yeah, there's like another one year. after. Yeah, they came out one year after another. So Edward Scissorhands followed um, Freddy Krueger, which I did not know. So that's interesting. So it's definitely a more lighthearted take on that. But the funny thing about that is Edward Scissorhands was based off a drawing by Tim Burton that Tim Burton created when he was in his teens, I believe. Ooh. So it kind of like, you know, what came from what? It kind of like Tim Burton technically had their character, the whole idea of having, you know, scissors or knives for hands. Cause he could have come out with the idea before that. So I don't know. It's in the, it's a good argument. But um, yeah, the, the original character of Edward came from Tim, a drawing that Tim Burton did when he was in his teens. Um, so... This movie is so fun to watch because you take this creepy character, someone that is terrifying and, and looks terrifying, is kind of his mannerisms are terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, you take him out and you put him in this, bring him out into this society that is so bright and colorful and kind of, you know, Stepford Wyvish um, characters. And it's funny because I was, when I was reading about it, how colorful the movie is. Um, the movie is based off Edward's point of view. So the way that the, the little neighborhood is so bright and all the characters in it, they're based off how Edward sees them. So they may technically not be like that in real life. It's just this is how crazy Edward sees, you know, how, how colorful he sees these characters. Because it's funny that he's so dark on the outside, but on the inside he's kind of just this lighthearted soul that is so tender and gentle and doesn't want to hurt anyone and every time he does it just completely destroys him um and of course he ends up falling in love and it just brings out even more of that lightheartedness. and um it's funny because one of my favorite scenes in the movie wasn't even was one of the scenes that wasn't originally in the scene mm -hmm. and it makes me laugh because that, that scene's the one where he he pops the waterbed yeah when he gets scared he ends up like popping the waterbed that wasn't originally in 
the script and I'm, I, I wonder if it's because it was an accident to begin with like <laughs> maybe like he was just acting he accidentally popped the bed I don't know but um that is probably one of my favorite scenes and of course any scene that has uh Vincent Price in it um because of course Vincent Price is considered um the master of horrors he was very popular for all the popular with all the horror films Mm-hmm. Um, you know, black and white horror films, silent horror films, and this the the role of the inventor was written and created for Vincent Price because Vincent Price kind of uh, influenced Tim Burton as, as a kid, and that's how he came to direct the type of movies and create the type of movies that he does. Because you know, of course, Tim Burton is Nightmare for Christmas, it's uh, Edward Scissorhands, it's um, Corpse Bride. Right, Tim Burton is Court's bride, correct? Has to be, because um, the bride herself is uh, Helen Bottom Carter. Honestly, if she's casted and it looks weird, I think it's a Tim Burton film. Oh yeah, Tim Burton. It, you know, and it's funny when this, and it's not even a bad thing. Like, um, it's funny how his genre he created kind of his own genre of film. Like, yes, and I think that's amazing. He did. And he translated really yeah, well from live action to um, uh, animation. Yeah, and it's kind of a lot of this, like, very, very colorful, very, very almost dreamlike type of genre and, and the characters that he creates. So, yeah, so Edward Scissorhands, Court's Bride, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, Miss Peregrine's um, School, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Oh, he, Big he directed that? Yeah, he directed that. Um, Frankenweenie, <laughs> um, Dark Shadows, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Sweeney Todd, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Big Fish, Planet, Planet of the Apes. Of course, Sleepy Hollow was another Tim Burton movie. Um, yeah, Beetlejuice. So, I mean, a lot of his films are very quirky and weird and colorful and kind of like they popped out of your dream. And then, of course, pairing that with um, Johnny Depp and pairing that uh, with... Um, has to be a cinematographer, fashion des- um, designers, or costume and makeup. He probably works with the same crew every time. Oh, he does. I, I, do, <coughs> I do hear a lot, a lot that he takes his crew with him. He's basically, you know, of course, we all know Danny Elfman, if... if the movie is going to have Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. It's probably going to have Danny Elfman mm-hmm. uh, composing <clears throat> this as well. So he does stick. Because you know what? He hit. When you find that right algorithm and that right group of people who just makes great stuff, you keep them. You don't want to change any of it. You know? And like, obviously, he works with the, an actor who portrays his characters the best. Mm hmm. Um, and so he keeps in, and of course, Helen, Helena Bonham Carter um, was in a lot of his films um, because he was married to her um, for a long time, actually. Yeah. Uh, and so she was also in that kind of algorithm as well. She was mixed in the pot that brings us all these great movies. So, yeah. Edward Scissorhands is probably one of my favorite movies. And, a lot, and, and to be completely honest with you, the reason why is because of the score. Like, I 
love the score and it goes back to where Tim Burns always saying, you know, Edward Scissorhands wasn't my best film ever, but it was my favorite. I love, I think I love that because a lot of actors and stuff like that, they're just like, I just had so much fun doing that movie and it didn't, it didn't do as well, but they're like, I just loved that. Well, and I think because it brought to life a character he's been creating since he was young Mm -hmm. and to have the ability to bring that character to life as a writer, you know, myself and you're a writer as well. Like it's having the ability to bring forth a character that you've been, you've had in your mind all these years. Yeah. And then finally seeing them on screen, you know, that's kind of when you reach the point where financial success doesn't really matter. But, you know, I've got to a point where I was able to bring this character to life. So it's a, it's kind of a success in my own way. Yeah, I think it just extends uh, back as to being a creator, like to create something from nothing and see it grow and see it take life and see other people see your vision. I think that's a lot for creators in itself, whether you're a writer, director or an actor, you get to see something that you no one else did. And then everyone's like, oh, I get it. And you're like, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I think. Edward Scissorhands. Cause because it has that eerie tone to it too. It's kind of dark. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of reminds me of um, James and the Giant Peach. Do you ever remember watching that? Yeah. Disney film, I think. Or Disney or DreamWorks. I can't remember. But um, yeah, James and the Giant Peach kind of has like that really eerie, creepy, to- like creepy tone to it. And that's what Edward Scissorhands has. But it's so lighthearted. It's so fun. It still touches on the whole falling in love it's a love movie too at the same time which is interesting um but yeah edward scissorhands is my number number three i think i'm on now number three oh my god don't bring don't bring numbers back girl i'm sorry the later it's getting (laughs) i probably shouldn't but yeah edward scissorhands is mine so onward 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 i'm just trying to think in order to like what would be the best? Did we mess up this? Anyways. Um, in that case, I'm going to go with... Hocus Pocus. I'm glad you yeah. chose that one because I've never seen it. Oh, everyone don't start throwing darts at me. I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Okay, uh, but like now I'm just hearing you never had a childhood, so. Well, my we mom never let me watch stuff now. like that. So my parents already isn't. saw me into like Harry Potter, and they already knew I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, she's gone. Just let her go. Let her go. Yeah. Let her be yeah, free. I watched her this. Wings. This came out two years after I was born, so I kind of like grew up with this movie because it was one of those things that. Um, Disney Channel started playing a lot later, even yeah. though it had a theatrical um, release. Disney just kind of kept it up. But um, for those of you who are like Laura, weirdly, who don't know this movie. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I know of it. And I know that they're making a sequel or like they're remaking it or something. But yeah. I don't. Yeah. I've never I've never seen it. <laughs> um, so for 
you then, um, the synopsis, after three centuries, three witch sisters are resurrected in Salem, Massachusetts on Halloween night. And it is up to two teenagers, a young girl and an immortal cat to put an end to their reign of terror once and for all. <laughs> now, I, you've probably seen trailers or clips or whatever. These yeah, three ladies do not look like sisters. So they're like, <laughs> they're like witch sisters, you know, in coven kind of thing i i I don't think they're actual sisters i hope they're not because it's just like terrible casting but (laughs) um the lead actors in it is um bet midler sarah jessica parker and kathy najimi and gosh i forgot to write down his name but if any of you guys watch ncis um what is it mcgee um plays what's his name um Binks, Theodore Binks or something. Um, yeah, so that's, um, there's a couple of, like, recognizable faces in that, that manner, but this movie is just really fun. So these kids, um, just make a mistake and, um, they're, re- they're resurrected, these witch sisters. These witch sisters are so extra. They come out and, um, they're, tr- they're, there was witches from years, years ago. So they're just finding out technology and um, how things work in the world. Like they're even, they're like, what is this black river? Can we walk across it? Because they're witches. So they go along with a lot of the um, tropes mm-hmm. and superstitions of witches. And they're they're like, what is this black river? And they'll put, they push the other one in in it. And they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm melting. I'm drowning. And it's like, oh, it's a road. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like a typical Disney movie where it's just adorable, cute, and there's definitely parts where you cry because you're just like, Disney, how did you catch me off my guard again? I mean, you make me cry every movie. You killed Bambi's mom. But um, it's just, I think whoever did the sound, like the mm-hmm. score and everything, just had too much fun because there'll be points where they're just um, kind of like walking along and then there'll be there'll be music like just like along with the theme and it very much follows the film itself and the there's a whole rhythm to the film and Mm -hmm. there's even a musical you've probably seen this clip but for those of you um who haven't one of the favorite scenes for a lot of people who've seen this film is the part where the witch sisters are at the um the dance at the school and it's yeah, for, like, I do. Parents. That's one of the scenes I have seen. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's the best, one of the best parts of the film because that music is so good. Like, I'll put a spell on you, and then you're just, yeah. and it's so catchy for, especially for a kids movie. Um, that's not a Disney princess film. <laughs> yeah. And this movie is dear to my heart because it plays on Disney Channel. So if any of you guys just happen want to see it don't want to rent it or buy it it plays all the time every year at disney channel and um it's just a it fun probably ride. comes on like three times a week now yeah like if you go search it's probably yeah. on your tv guide yeah it's a feel-good movie for sure and it's just about these kids who are just rising above to the occasion that these ladies are 
wreaking terror upon their family, their especially their parents, and their parents aren't really helping them. So, like, it's once again one of those kids' mm-hmm. movies where your parents are, like, really incompetent, and you just have to be like, great, mom and dad, because you don't have it together, I have to be an adult tonight, and you have not prepared me for anything because you keep constantly grounding me or something. So, um, yeah, this movie is just, just such a fun ride, and it's one of those movies that will always be there for you and it will it I don't think will ever outgrow the old version I don't I'm not sure about the remake but how good it it'll be but I'm so sure that the original will hold the test of time and the funny Mm -hmm. part about this like this movie I what I found really interesting is so um Sarah Jessica Parker if you don't know her from this then you'll know her from sex in the city she plays carrie right she right in the <laughs> in the movie she plays a witch who was executed during the salem witch trials in like the late si- 1600s while researching her family history on um that tv show who do you think you are and it, and it i think the episode was like 2004 uh parker was uh shocked to uh discover that in the tense um her 10th great-grandmother, Esther Elwell, was arrested in Salem in the late 1600s for committing sundry acts of witchcraft and choking mm-hmm. a neighbor to death. Um, her case, her grandmother's case never went to court, and she escaped with her life, but um, and the, accusa- the accusation ended the Salem witch trials. And that's so crazy to know that basically a fun role that you had it was actually a lot closer to than you than you anticipated right it hits home and um, now, did that affect her as she was filming did she know that before she was filming she didn't know that before filming she found out later so she found out in 2004 okay. about her history and the movie came out in 1993 ah um, uh, gotcha okay so like only so 10 years later she finds out that one of her the most significant roles of her life held a little bit more true than necessary Mm -hmm. and um another interesting thing uh the character billy butcherson um he there's this one scene where moths come out of his mouth and it turns out they didn't use cgi they were real like he said in an interview i'm not sure how true that is but like he himself said that yeah those moths were real and I'm like, but why would you do that? And how did the moths not die in your mouth? Right? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how they did that in particular, especially for him, like, the moths tr- maybe trying to get down his throat. But, yeah, Hocus Pocus is one of those classic movies that will always be there. It's just such a fun ride, over the top, but in the best way. And um, it's just fun. I highly suggest it to you guys if you haven't seen it, and I suggest it to you guys if you have seen it to just kind of go back down that road of nostalgia. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, I've definitely been wanting to sit there and watch it, and I have it. I think I have it to record like next week or sometime. So when I do watch it, I will text you and be like, "I finally reached up with the rest of my generation. <laughs> I now ha- I now have a childhood." <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Hocus Pocus. And and after all the kind of uproar that's been coming around with the whole remake and everything, I, it's even more pressed upon me. I'm like, I should really watch this movie so I can be, you know, a part of the uproar as well. <laughs> uh, 
Sounds good. Oh, sorry. I think you went out. (laughs) Yeah, I do. So my last one before our number one, our being Maya Lohani's number one pick, because we had the same number one pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine is The Shining, which is another classic horror film. Uh, If you don't know what The Shining is, have you been living under a rock? Lohani, do you know what The Shining is? Yes, here comes Johnny. Whoop, it's the infamous line. So The Shining is a 1980 film starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and Scatman Crothers. Um, It's basically uh, about a family, um, about when a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where an evil and spiritual presence influences the father into violence um, with his psychic son, when his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from the past and the future. So, like I said, we're touching on the creepy kid again, which is brings even more. You know, you've ever heard of Red Rum, and you've never seen The Shining. You've still been influenced by this movie because Red Here Comes Johnny and Red Rum um, are probably two of the famous lines from this film. Um, and it's, it's more of that psychological horror film uh, where you kind of don't know if you're, what you're seeing is real. Even in the film, it's like, okay, is this really happening or is the kid just seeing it? Uh, it, it deals with a lot of that psychological stuff. Um, and I think that's what brings the epitome. I think dealing with crazy people is the scariest thing. Like, <laughs> you're dealing with a psychotic, you're dealing with a psychotic person you're living in a horror film. So Jack Nicholson epitomies his acting of a crazy person is like kind of where everyone takes their foundation from. Like, okay, you're you're portraying a crazy person. Just think of Jack Nicholson in The Shining because his face is perfect for it, obviously. Um, but his portrayal of, of, of a crazy guy is, is is on par. It's perfect. Um, and of course, one of my favorites. Well, I have two. Like, I can't. I, I tried to pick and I couldn't. So there's obviously the the infamous bathroom scene um, with the whole here comes Johnny when he's hacking through the door and his wife's on the other side and he like pokes his face through and he's just like there. And he's like, here, piggy, piggy, piggy. It's really good. It's really good. Um, And then, of course, there's the maze scene where he's chasing his son through the maze. Mm -hmm. And I think that is by far scarier than the actual bathroom scene because... Mazes terrify me. Like, I don't like going to corn corn mazes or hay mazes or any type of maze. Of course, the whole <clears throat> horror night is a maze. But, like, um, horror haunts all deal with mazes. But um, the maze scene is by far the best because everything's just white because it's snowing. And, like, everything looks the same. And he's just, just this little kid who's by himself and it's being chased by his psychotic dad. It's horrifying because you don't know what's going to come around each corner. Um, and which is kind of the epitome of a horror film. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so the maze kind of is symbolic of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, The Shining is the best. It's a classic, like literally a classic. If you go to film school, you're going to come out of there watching The Shining. Some teachers, some professors going to make you watch it. I had in my in my own experience, I had three professors who made us watch it. So I saw that movie three times in college. Um, all for different reasons, too, because this movie isn't just great because it's a horror film. It's great on 
cinematography. It's great on music. It's great on um, set design. It's great on uh, it's great on acting. It's great on everything. You can learn something in every aspect aesthetic of film. You can learn from The Shining because everything's perfect about it. It's just. And then it deals with twins too, like the whole creepy twins, little kids again. Oh yeah, that movie definitely established like a fear of twins throughout (laughs) this country. Yeah, if if you don't know what scene I'm talking about, like this scene is by far like twins weren't creepy until The Shining came about and decided to make them creepy. Yeah, Um, and this was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yes, Stanley Kubrick, yeah. who is a leading director on his own. Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one of those cinephile films yeah. that you have to watch. You and I say that with a one. like a grain of salt because I don't like Stanley Kubrick films typically, and which oh, is really I know it's blas- it's blasphemy to say in like the no, the I mean world. like I don't, but I mean I don't, I like don't like of- his films. Like, the people in his films, like, the characters are just major dicks. Yeah. He, and it makes me wonder if he really is in real life a douchebag. I don't know. I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying, like, you just, or or he's just really good at making douchebag characters. Yeah. So. Well, to be fair, on, on the flip side, a lot of people are, what is it, Shelley Duvall, the main the main actress in the, this film. The wife, yeah. Yeah, she said that he, like, he basically terrorized her. Wow. Yeah. So to like that's the rumor too. Like if we're gonna play devil's advocate, that he wasn't, he like wasn't necess- He was one of those directors that just almost didn't give a crap about his actors, because mm-hmm. it's like oh we're pushing the envelope or something like that. But you realize yeah. maybe you should have HR on set. Yeah, I mean it's the same. <laughs> it's the same type of rumors we hear about um, James Cameron too. Like oh my hear, god, he's we hear he's. Um, What's that submarine or underwater movie? Uh, I was about to say I was about to say Titanic, but I was like, oh. No, the I think there's another one. There's another one where it deals with water. I can't remember it. Um, Someone's probably gonna tweet me or message me. Looking at you, Drew, about it. But um, basically, (laughs) (laughs) just called out my friend who has a podcast called Destiny's Pizzas. Um, Yeah, just. So you can go harass him, maybe. And um, what is it? I guess maybe it's not this director, but one of the films he worked on is there was a bunch of people under the water, and it was like all these like dead people under the water, and it turns out they were all real people holding their breath. Ew! <laughs> what movie is that? I'm like, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I'm, I'm going to find remember. it right now. Yeah, and I just, I had something interesting to, you mentioned, well, we both mentioned the Here Comes Johnny for The Shining. Like, that was totally mm-hmm. ad-libbed, one of the most popular lines, because yeah. he took that from, I think, Ed McMahon, and um, he ad-libbed that part towards the introduction of Johnny Carson. He took it from Ed McMahon, mm-hmm. so it was like, Here Comes Johnny, because a lot of people were like, why are you saying Johnny, like... Your real name's Jack or something like that. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to remember it, uh, that James. I'm like, Cameron. oh, d- uh, deep sea challenge. No, the final word. 
No. Sanctum? No. We're just gonna, we're gonna keep going, people. This is how we do it. Aliens of the Deep? I think it was the Abyss. Oh, Ghost of the Abyss? Yes, because it had Ed Harris. Because Ed Harris, there was a certain part of the scene um, where he literally, he almost killed Ed Harris because he forced the scene so much. And Ed Harris came out and punched James Cameron. <laughs> this doesn't have Ed Harris in it, though. No, The Abyss. Oh, The Abyss? Yeah, it's from, in, from 1989. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to see I, it now. Oh, I'm, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's that movie where, like, the bot, and one of them was his brother-in-law for James Cameron. Like, he almost, wow. like, killed killed several people for a scene and ed harris was so pissed of almost dying rightfully so that he punched james cameron in the face yeah and i've also heard too like if you're working on a set if you're so if you're like a, a college student like trying to get an intern on like james cameron's set like don't bring your cell phone just don't bring your cell yeah. phone like i hear james that it's cameron like, is a dick <laughs> yeah like he i hear like he smashes cam like cell phones on the wall it's crazy it's all crazy I, up in here. I found it. Underwater filming. Ed Harris almost drowned while filming a scene where he had to hold his own breath at the bottom of a submerged set. Harris ran out of air and gave the signal for oxygen, and Harris' safety driver got hung up on a cable and could not get to him. Another crew member gave Harris a regulator, but it was upside down and caused him to suck in water. A cameraman came over, ripped the upside down regulator, and gave him uh, one in the correct orientation. Later that evening, Ed broke down and cried. And apparently, um, yeah, so he didn't want to talk about his experiences working on the film, and I guess James Cameron didn't do anything while everybody was like trying to get him and kept filming his struggle to get more authenticity and Ed Harris is like basically you dick this is a movie it's not worth my life yeah punched it that's crazy to totally go off of the shining but like just to talk about directors and themselves and how far they'll go for a scene it's true with the shining they to get the authentic scene with Shelley Duvall, they did kind of terrorize her to get something better. Yeah. Yeah, and Which, I think it kind of... People, especially when they're, they're method directors or whatever, like, they get really into it. It's, it's almost... Be, and they forget the fact that it is a movie, and it's like these people are, you know, they're getting paid to do this, yes, mm-hmm. but they're also still human beings. They're not the character um, you forget when you're on set for so long, you know, and... It's crazy, but I mean, all in all, I think Shining is an, a classic for a reason. Um, and like I said before, a lot of th- a lot of good things, a lot of great decisions on behalf of not just James Cameron, but everyone else, writers, uh, producers, set designers, uh, composers, all of that blended together to bring a really great horror film. Um, but yeah, so... That's my, that's my last one before the first one. Before our top one. So the yeah. next one we have for you guys are like, we have like three more films and um, I'll just run through those really quickly and then we'll just do our top, you could just do our top one. Okay. And I guess to go off of our, you know, you can do the climactic one because the other ones are, the other two were um, the ones I picked on my side. 
So okay. I'll just run through them. And to go off of a classic movie, the next one I picked is Psycho. Yes. I, I forgot know. about Psycho. We forgot the the guy of horror. No, we didn't. I gotcha. <laughs> yes. Alfred. Alfred. I'm so sorry. Don't worry. Don't worry. We, we a team. We a team. So um, a lot. I hope a lot of you guys had seen this movie because this movie is everything. And it's it started so much for horror films. Like it's from the guy who had who you think horror is synonymous with Alfred Hitchcock. Um, Hitchcock, yeah, the birds, all these things. So I picked a yeah. Psycho. Came out in 1960. The the plot is a Phoenix secretary embezzles forty thousand dollars from her employer's client, goes mm. on the run, and checks into a remote ho- um, motel run by a young man under the do- domination of his mother. Now, when you first watch this film and you hear that kind of synopsis, you think you're going to have um, a different kind of film. But Alfred Hitchcock, I think. Um, he, I, I forgot how many minutes in, but not typical for a movie. I think the first 20, 30 minutes in, he kills off the main character. And a lot of people know this for, um, that psycho that she, she dies. The infamous sh- yeah. shower scene, um, mm-hmm. that is played by, um, Janet Leigh, who is what? Jamie Lee Curtis's mom? Correct? <laughs> Yeah. And Anthony Perkins, and there's Vera Miles. So mm-hmm. that infamous scene we have that has that, like, yep. you can't miss it. That only happens, that happens early in the movie. So the rest yeah. of the movie, you're just like, what is happening? What is going on? And, um, <clears throat> what is it? Um, Norman Bates, you figure out, Norman Bates becomes the main person um, of the whole entire film, which to me is very interesting because horror movies go on between hero and villain whole entire time, mm-hmm. but we lose that person early on and it's immediately switched with someone else. I think they're Miles' right. character. And so the villain actually becomes our main hero and we see him. So I thought that that's why Psycho's really good. I watched it later on and I had to tell myself this is the movie that starts it all because a lot of it is not predictable, but, um, oh, I, I recognize this. I recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. When you go in to watch Psycho a lot of, um, for a lot of listeners, watch it with the mindset that this movie is one of the movies that started it all. Like you, we still know this um, this is still very heavy in our pop culture, and yeah, um, honestly, I mean, even I, even to a ahead. point where I mean, if you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but like, um, even to the point where they had, we have the Bates Motel, which was a TV show that just ended, I believe, earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, which follows how Norman became Norman. So it it stars, you know, it ta- we see Norman Bates, and we also get a better understanding of who Norma Bates was his mm-hmm. mom and I must give uh, a huge shout out to the Bates Motel in that TV show because what they did with that TV show that prequel to everything in its cycle uh in in psycho is just so fitting like they mm-hmm. did so well well with that TV show like it almost immediately leads up to you know where it ends leads up to when psycho starts so like 
It's that's great. It's, I haven't seen the show oh, with Freddie Highmore, so right? And Vera right. Farmiga. Vera, yep. She she is she, she's phenomenal in this. In they both are. They're they're all so good in this in this TV show. But like like you were saying, just to kind of circle back to the, how this this movie is still having a huge impact on our pop culture today. It's it's, it's so relatable still. It's it's. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows about it, you know, and it's it's it really is mothers, going... strange sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it goes back to Alfred, you know, it's it's he's he is the epitome. Ah, gosh, I forgot about all of his movies. The birds should have been in here, Vertigo should have been in here. Like uh, Oh so his... so good. I have his I have a book and they're like Alfred Hitchcock um shorts and they're mm-hmm. either the ones he wrote himself or ones that he's collected from others. I right. I read it. It's so good because it's like yeah, it's really good. It's like Twilight Zone of horror, like things that could happen for real. Yeah, dude, we didn't yeah. even touch on Twilight Zone, man. So there's so many. There's so well, those are TV shows. Where, Let's give ourselves yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the no, I'm saying like there's so many things that we that we that should get standing ovations for all these movies because all of these movies came from something. You know, and mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock, his movies, and Twilight Zone, and all of that suspense comes from, you know, th- these are kind of our founding fathers of, of suspense and horror, you know, so it's 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 cool to give them a nod and see everything that's come from that. All of these great movies we're talking about, you know, um, obviously mm-hmm. all these directors were influenced by someone uh, yeah. to start making suspense films and horror films, so yeah. Psycho is yeah. definitely... I'm glad, definitely glad you brought up that one. Psycho is perfect. And um, some, just some quick fun stuff about this movie. Um, as you, as you probably know, Alfred Hitchcock likes to be in his own movies. He'll do like a quick cameo or he'll walk by yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I always thought it was um, fun. And um, <clears throat> during, um, during the film, Alfred would, uh, just always refer to Anthony Perkins as Master Bates. Just, <laughs> I thought I thought that was hilarious for a guy who created so many like horrific tales that he just yeah. had that kind of sense of humor. Um, right. You know, let's see. Uh, it's the first movie to ever have uh, a first American film to ever flush a toilet. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, really? Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. No, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Okay. Um, yeah. The original Bates house is on the Universal lot. So some of you guys have been to Universal Studios. It's yeah. um, on there. And they, it's not in the same spot where they filmed it, but it's in a different one. So they And they still have, like, um, Norman bringing out the body and packing it and chasing the tram. And then, Yeah, they, still, they also still have yeah. the – they have the house, but they also still have the hotel, too piece yes. of the hotel set the house in the hotel correct yeah um and that's and they usually use it for halloween horror night so if you guys are interested in going to that that'd be honestly that'd be fun to be on an active lot with a historic film while being yeah, scared of horror like that's the I epitome always, of a horror <laughs> fan <laughs> i always get i always get chills whenever i go to horror haunt because i you get to actually you know walk the set and be mm-hmm. on the set and see this huge piece of history it's it's pretty crazy and and i think that's awesome that universal lets you do that um, yeah either obviously you can't go in still hot yeah. sets I think yeah that's you crazy. can't you can't go into the house or into the hotel mm. but you can still walk along walk along it so um but yeah yeah and then um the 
the last interesting thing before I move on to the next one is that a lot of people believed it was shot in black and white because he thought, uh, like, they thought it was going to be too gory. Apparently, and I thought that too, and I'm not sure how true this is, but apparently, um, because it would be too gory in color for the scenes. Apparently, Mm -hmm. he shot the, um whole entire movie in black and white because he wanted to keep it inexpensive so he kept it under a million dollars because he noticed that um black and white films were like cheaply cheaper made and he thought this was gonna be he thought this was gonna be a really good movie and it would make more money that way and i was like oh man alfred's still in the money but yeah i thought that was just interesting because everyone thinks the black and white uh was due to the gory color that was the shower scene so everybody had this mm. imagination and it and it wasn't so i guess the the last two movies we have before our number one are kind of a hybrid because i think with the movie that came out this year we have to pay on um, we, we have to pay homage to the old one so we decided right. laura and i decided that we'd talk about it and both of them right now yeah I'm just talk gonna... about the Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Um, so <laughs> let's start with the older one because I, most of you have probably either seen it, saw clips of it. God, even looking at the picture creeps me the F out. But um, <laughs> so there's like two episodes to it. It's like a mini series. Um, it came out in 1960 and seven preteen outcasts fight an evil demon who possess, a ch- who possess as a... Um, as a child-killing clown. 30 years later, they reunite to stop the demon once and for all when it returns to their hometown. It stars Richard Th- Thomas, Tim Reed, Annette O'Toole. And, um, like, a, and Tim, did I already say Tim Curry? <laughs> and Tim Curry as, um, yeah, Pennywise. Yeah, we, we mustn't forget Tim Curry as Pennywise. And, mm. yeah, I thought that was, um, just an older one. This is the movie that scared the crap out of me. Have you seen it? The first one? Me? Yeah, yeah. The original, yeah. the miniseries. Yeah. yeah. That was terrifying. And I mean, it it, it kind of manifests this, this phobia of clowns, too. Because I was doing some research, mm-hmm. like, how clowns were perceived before it. And it, they weren't, ter- like, they weren't, no one ever considered them to be scary like they were always just these circus actors these um these type of characters that were funny they're always they were always related to humor and happiness and smiling and giggling all of that mm-hmm. the, the the mindset of clowns changed completely you know did a complete 180 after the miniseries came out so this not only was this music this movie um downright horrifying yeah like it changed the complete it changed the world view of clowns like it really did it changed a uh uh it's it's very hard to change the perception of an entire a mass group of people and that's what this movie did it changed the way we view clowns and mm-hmm. it's just i mean i mean that's when my phobia started like i don't do clowns if you know me personally you know that <laughs> i don't do clowns like i haven't even seen the new it because i honestly like <laughs> no thank you but um i did see the original it and now the original it was a mini series it wasn't a movie it was a, a television um 
miniseries that came mm. out in what year again did you say 19 um 1990 1990 okay um and of course it, it's based off a book so the movie was it's based off the novel it mm-hmm. um i don't i don't know who it's written by Do stephen you know king stephen king okay right oh duh yeah i didn't i didn't i'm so sorry like that was the worst moment to have a brain fart like stephen king is it (laughs) yeah yeah stephen king um definitely yeah stephen king he's also the epitome of of suspense and horror there's a lot of people that kind of help make up all of this but um yeah continue with your it factoids oh yeah so um i guess during like during the filming of it the actors for this version of it the 1990 that tim curry's characterization of pennywise was apparently so creepy and realistic that everyone avoided him during the filming and (laughs) honestly i'm so sorry tim curry like i wouldn't even acknowledge your existence if i yeah and he was reluctant to take that role because he's like i don't want to work under all that makeup and everything like that but it was I, i think it's one of his biggest roles to date um or at least prolific roles because that would that did terrify a whole generation against clowns probably did Mm -hmm. not help the clowns union you know but um yeah yeah so like um yeah it's just there i didn't see anything too big um on there on like factoids besides like you know the night garden the asylum is called coons named after stephen king's um rival author dinar coons who also watches like um, horror films and you know this one was really big on like racism was a huge issue of that time and that's once again uh, everybody else gets bullied for regular things but the black person gets bullied for being black and uh, apparently <laughs> so for saying the n-word during the movie um jared blancard um young henry bowers hated saying that to marlon taylor um young mike Helen, that he would apologize before and after. So I'm like, thank God you recognize this is, like, not okay. Um, yeah. But, like, there was just a couple of small things for um, that it, but I remember that movie terrifying me so much so that when I went to go see the new one, I saw it w- I went ahead and saw it with my friends. My parents are like, are you sure? Because I was so traumatized from seeing that movie. Yeah. Because it was just, like... Clown, clowns are supposed to be a source of fun so when you turn something that's supposed to be safe for kids into something terrifying it just like changes your whole aspect or your whole perceptive of like probably your childhood and it's such a polarizing yeah. colors like the red hair the red nose that's like ooh. but um yeah it definitely it definitely kind of reaches into your childhood it just kind of pulls out your soul and just squishes it it's kind of like ah. And then Dang it. Right? And it just literally keeps punching you and you're like, but having isn't your hand tired? Just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, so, it is definitely definitely changed a generation. And now it's gonna change a, a completely different generation, you know? It's gonna it just keeps coming every thirty years, right? We're gonna get it it's gonna reappear, unfortunately. Yeah, so for the 2017 it like we would be remiss to not talk about it with you guys but um yeah same synopsis a group of bully kids um band together when a shape-shifting demon takes the appearance of a clown beginning hunting children this was so sad because now that i'm older i like i understand the scenes more and um Mm -hmm. and just uh the main character like i can't there's too many kids names but this one has like bill's 
Bill Skarsgård, who um, is Alexander Skarsgård's brother from like True Blood, if you guys are mm-hmm. fans of that, and we're wondering where he came from, and then also his father's a famous actor, and so we don't, a lot of actors. And um, right. he plays Pennywise, and then there's Jaden um, Lieber, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, Sophia Lillis, and then plenty of other people that if you guys want to check in IMDb, these child actors are amazing, and just, they did really great casting, but for um, this it, like, just understanding the full realization of the plot, it, based off these kids' fears, is so devastating, because these kids, a lot of these kids um, in the movie come from really crappy backgrounds, like, the girl, her dad is... Mm -hmm sexually abusive to her like we never actually see it just because i know a lot of people this is rated r but it's it's definitely insinuated one of the kids um his parents died in a um a factory fire another one um is scared of a certain painting just all these things that little kids are scared of he this clown takes into actuality and it's like oh man you know like First of all, your worst fears, that's terrible. But for children, you're like, shoot. Um, and they're just, they're just, it's so, it's so sad in that way. But for this one, yeah. I don't know if it was in the old one, because I can't, you probably remember it better than me. This new one, the dialogue between the kids is hilarious, because it's like a coming of age story within a horror film. And it's coming in age of like, yeah. it totally feels like stand by me. Yeah, it's kind of I, I. It's kind of when I was reading up on it, they kind of take basically the characters from the Sandlot mm-hmm. and place them in a horror film. Yeah, um, Sandlot. Which you get a lot. Of, I mean, better. even I mean, I, that's really in right now with looking at Stranger Things. You're, you know, it's young kids coming of age, dealing with really adult situations, and uh, it's yeah. I think that was that's because it's very popular right now. Mm-hmm. I think it was smart to kind of well, it's I mean, always it's always been about that. So it just kind of came at the right time. Yeah. Um, and the dialogue was like just, I guess I would call it clapbacks, comebacks, whatever the cool kids are calling yeah. it now. But the dialogue between them like didn't, <laughs> I know, right? I'm like 26 and I'm acting so irrelevant. Um, but the, the comebacks between the kids were so savage that I felt it as an audience member. You know, I was, you know, I was also watching it through my fingers um, as I usually do with movies. And my friends were like, it was so much better to watch th- you than the movie. And I'm like, you a-holes, we could have just stayed home. <laughs> but, but my friend screamed, so I felt in the clear on that one. But like, there was this one scene where um, one of the kids, he's um, not... God, it's not germaphobic, but one of those ones where they constantly take pills and they think they have, like, all these different um, illnesses or ailments. But he's hypochondriac or something. And um, he takes all these, like, different pills, and one of the kids is looking through it. And I think it's Finn Wolfhard's character from Stranger Things. He looks at it and he's like, Mm -hmm. is this birth control pills? And he's like, yeah, it's for your sister. Um, It's like, (laughs) like, it's... It's quick one-liners that were so good. And the kid who plays... Quick-witted, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid who plays uh, the hypochondriac, he's he's so good. Like, I knew Finn Wolfhard, for some of you guys don't know, he's also um, an actor on Stranger Things. He's um, what uh, plays... I can't remember his name, but he plays the main kid who um, 
develops a crush on Eleven. And oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's so, he's so good. They're all so good. Um, yeah, all the people from, all the kids from Stranger Things are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of oh, weird, but right? they're all really, really good. And um, I guess the, the the interesting thing while I was like reading up on the film is like Finn Wolfhard himself actually has a fear of clowns in real life. And I was like, why would you sign up? But I get that this is the li- role of a lifetime. Um, the Duffer Brothers... Right. Also, who, um, what is it, who also directed Stranger Things, they tried to direct this movie, but they, like, wanted to originally direct it, but, uh, they skipped over them. They said that they weren't established enough, and, um, they went on to direct Stranger Things, which stars Finn Wolfhard and pays tribute to Stephen King. So they're like, yeah, we can't do it? Fine, we'll find uh, another avenue, so... Which is another thing Netflix is so great at doing, giving people a chance if they have a full plan, give them sample work. I think that's great. And last but not least, before we get into our last one, Laura, let me break your mind right here. So, It. Um, this film was released... The num- What is it? Sesame Street? Yes. Um, I guess the letter... The letter today is I for it. The number today is 27. But this film was released 27 years ago. The first one came out right. in, uh, what is it, 1990, 2017, 27 years after the original. And it wasn't on purpose. They had they were trying to get it re- greenlit for so long and it happened to have come out in 2017 and in the book it returns to dairy approximately every 27 years jonathan brandis who played um young bill in the original film died at 27 years the month um it was released in um only a month after this movie was released bill skarsgård turned 27 and the official release date in u.s of this year was 9 8 2017 which adds up to 27 it's all about the numbers game have you guys ever seen numbers (laughs) (laughs) everything matters yeah it's all about the details (laughs) i just think it's so crazy that none of it was planned except for the original book which this is one of those things where i was like i'd rather just not work on this set because that's too many instances yeah coincidences yeah yeah crazy and it's kind of what brings the whole scary vibe to it too i think it it surpasses just the movie itself it's kind of like all the coincidences as well Mm -hmm. um all right so those are 12 that was a lot of movies so much next we're gonna think it through (laughs) next time we were too ambitious (laughs) (laughs) the 12 great movies but we left one more that we both agreed on um it's very hard well no it's not very hard for lohani and i to agree (laughs) But uh, this is this is one that we agreed on that should be the number one because it truly is a great <clears throat> movie. And not only that, it surpasses two holidays. Yeah, it, <laughs> it kind stands of the test embodies of time. two holidays. It does. It's been out since 1993. Really? Um, really? It's another Danny Elfman com- Composed by Danny Elfman, starring Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, William Hickey, um, and it is called. Have you guys guessed yet? (laughs) You probably have. It's Nightmare Before Christmas, um, which is a Disney film um, from 1993. 
uh, and it's, uh, well, I don't even think I need to say the synopsis, but it follows Jack Skellington, the pumpkin king of Halloween Town, who is bored with doing the same thing every year for Halloween. After stumbling into Christmas Town, Jack and his creepy townspeople shower the world with their take on Christmas. So this film um, is a stop motion animation um, film, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to make it number one, because this probably take this, I know for a fact, took longer to make production wise, production time wise um, than any other film that we uh, talked about. It, it took a group of around 100 people three years to complete this movie. Because for every one second of film, up to 12 stop motion moves had to be made. So let's think about that for a second. Now that's three years of active production with a group of 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty crazy anytime you deal with stop motion. Because I always think of stop motion. I'm just like, props to you guys. Because I'm a very impatient person. And I would not be willing to stand there and move a hand a quarter of an inch for every yeah. shot, you know, like, yeah, it's... like I would, I would have to No, someone would have to tell me what to do every single second because that many people working on it, you have to storyboard that really hard. Yeah. Uh, not for Christmas. There's not much we can touch on about it. The only thing I do want to mention is the music, um, for this film is phenomenal. I mean, this is song Jack's, Jack Skeleton's singing voice um, was casted first by Danny Elfman, who's also the composer. And they mm-hmm. were focused so much on that that they actually casted the voice actor after because he sounded so much like Danny Elfman. Um, so as Aww. you can tell, you can see what a priority here this is. Like the music is so phenomenal. It was all written by Danny Elfman. And one of my favorite songs is Sally's Lament. Um, mm-hmm. where she sings about how she feels about uh, Jack Skellington because it's also this really creepy love story involved too but it's it's so perfect because they go so well together obviously um, and mm-hmm. so yeah Nightmare Before Christmas is definitely our number one it's something that should be you guys should watch it if you haven't seen it um, it is a Disney film of course and, and you know if you want even if you can't get enough of the movie you guys should just go to Disneyland and go on um, the Haunted Mansion because all of the rest of this year up until I think new, I think like January 1st or something, um, Haunted Mansion is the Nightmare Before Christmas theme. So it's the whole storyline yes. of that. It's so fun. It's like my favorite ride to go on. Um, and I, I think know, it's just that movie keeps giving. Like the movie just keeps giving. It doesn't end. It's, yeah, it's a gift that it, never it, stops it, giving because every time you watch it, it's not funny. The movie so, because the details matter in this movie as well. Every time you watch it, you see something new. It's just one yes. of those movies where it's it, just like, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's, okay. it's just because it had a hundred people on there, you know, every detail, every motion, everything was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Everything had a purpose. And for three years, you can't help it. And just circling back to what you said about Danny Elfman, that apparently it was one of the easiest things for him to write. Like the 10 songs in there was the easiest he said it was the easiest job he's ever had because he had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. Right. Where it's like, wait, so Jack Skellington's like storyline is basically he was bored of his job and he wanted to do something more. Right. Which I think for a lot of, maybe a lot of creatives, 
especially it um it resonates that yeah I love what I do and it's there's a level of creativity but I want to be challenged I want to do more because mm-hmm. he's already like every year I plan out Halloween and how scary it's gonna be like yeah he he still has that level of creativity but he's like I want more out of life and you're just like I get you Jack Skellington <laughs> Yeah, and it's almost, you kind of can't help but think if that's what Danny Elfman feels. He just wanted to do something different, you know? And like you said, a lot of creative people go through that. But um, I know I go through it. I'm pretty sure you've gone through it. Um, But yeah, Nightmare for Christmas truly is just the gift that consistently gives every time you watch it. Not only that, you can watch it twice a year. You don't have to just watch it during Halloween because you can watch it during Christmas too. (laughs) That's why it's so amazing. And then um, it's just, it's it's such good, I don't know, it's so Tim Burton-esque. Yeah, it really is the epitome. And, I mean, you think of Tim Burton, you think of Nightmare for Christmas. It's the first one that comes up, and then everything else kind of trinkles, you know, kind of follows up after that. But Nightmare for Christmas is a, just the epitome. It really is. I think majority yeah, of people think that so good it's very adult too for kids yeah there's it's thematically it reaches all different different audiences and that's why i think as a child growing up that it just stays with you from because you have that childlike sense of wonder but (laughs) it's dealing with that duality of like i want to do more but i have a job to do Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it hits hard and hits deep (laughs) it's one of definitely one of those more um, we got really deep today. Yeah, it's, <laughs> one, well, it's one. definitely one of those animation films, that, uh, probably the most Disney film that kind of hits a deeper, so much, a deeper, yeah. it has such a deeper sense of meaning rather than just being yeah. a film about a guy who likes Christmas. You know, like it, it's, it's so much more yeah. than that. Um, and he didn't even know he liked Christmas. He just wanted to do something different and he went through that town and that's where it resonated with him the most. I mean, um, there were other doors there and he happened to pick the one that resonated with him. It's like picking your future. Like there's so many options and just going with what feels good mm-hmm. instead of like just st- sticking to the status quo. Cause he was simply born to do that. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to do more. And then Oogie Boogie, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, Oogie I, Boogie, I just, man. I just like that. Even in Halloween town, they fear somebody more. <laughs> I love it. It's just like I never they have their own storyline. It's so funny. It's so true. And Oogie Boogie is scary, man. Oogie Boogie is scary, but he's so cute at the same time. I have a little Oogie Boogie, a little Oogie Boogie plush from Disneyland, and I'm just like, oh, you're so cute, but you're so scary. In the I movie. know. I I want him as a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Those are probably really easy to make, but um, yeah, them for Christmas. And 12 other movies. Dude, you guys should not be saying you're bored and you don't know what to watch this weekend. If you say that, then we obviously didn't do our job. <laughs> Honestly, I question how well we do our job sometimes. But um, you know, what? You know we, gave give it, us, we give I, it heart. I passion, give us the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. There's yes. a loose a sense of structure. So I think we nailed, nailed it on the head. We did. We did We did for a good... This was a good comeback episode. And we thank you so much that you guys kind of hung with us through our break. Um, and for any of those newcomers, um, this isn't our first podcast, even though it may sound like it. 
It is not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have done other things, and we're still like this. So uh, Yeah, we have a lot of cool podcasts. Go check out our archives. Um, But we hope that this gives you something to watch this Halloween season. If not, watch them all. And let us know that you watched them all. And then tell us what you think. And and tell us, you know, there are better movies out there. We'll highly highly, uh, get into an argument about that with you. Because... Any argument about film, film is a good argument because it's always the best to yeah. argue. Um, everyone has different opinions. But um, we are 23 minutes and 50 seconds past our deadline because you know we're girls can't can't keep to a can't keep to a, a set timeline. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for any of you guys hoping to uh, share with us your thoughts or recommendations or just want to give us feedback on the episode um go ahead and follow us on twitter at the nerd mix or um, follow us on facebook and instagram at the nerd mix we're on all of those because we have no self-control yeah but if you want to get to know us share more, with us yeah if you want to get to know us more on our personal level you can follow me at laura jedi knight on instagram and i believe i'm laura l jedi knight on twitter and hello honey i don't know your usernames you're gonna have to take this one <laughs> um i at, on twitter i'm at bit of random truth or you could just look up my name i believe we put it in the about section if you guys are following us on soundcloud yeah but um and then for instagram gosh i don't even remember because i didn't know instagram was gonna blow up like it did so just look me up <laughs> l-o-h-a-n and I'm just lohani it's, you're gonna figure it out real quick yeah. but um yeah thank you guys for sitting with us and we'll see you next time Have a good one. Have a safe Halloween, everyone. If we don't get to talk to you and chat up with you, then everyone be safe and be aware of those clowns because they definitely come around. (laughs) Oh, you definitely know there are going to be a lot of costumes for that. Oh, yeah. So stick together. I'm not looking... I don't want to leave my house, Laura. I'm going to see, like, red balloons everywhere. Dude, I didn't want to leave my house tonight. That's why I'm in here doing a podcast because I'm just like, dude, it's Friday the 13th. All I need is for someone to start purging. You never know. Oh my god. Right? That was another one. I'm like, I hope it's not on any of our lists, because that's a real future we could have. Yeah, like the purrs, man? Heck no.